Hey, profitable creators. I'm Molly Kaiser, and I went from being an art school dropout with just 81 cents to my name to building an online education business, helping thousands of creative business owners around the world. Each week, I have the honor of interviewing six-figure entrepreneurs about what's working best for them right now, the biggest lessons they've learned, and their top tangible takeaways you can put into place for your business. This is the Profitable Creator Podcast. All right. Hey, Profitable Creators. Today, I'm super, super stoked because I have my good friend, Natalie Hodson here with me. Hi, Natalie. Hey, guys. <laughs> Natalie is a mom of two and an influencer who has a giant garden and chickens. I'm just going to like <laughs> mad lip that into the bio. Um, she's best known for her ability to connect with women and their real life situations. She has a widely popular blog on social media. Um, she talks a lot about vulnerability and using that to your advantage to build your audience. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Me too. It's like been a while since we chatted, so this is a great way for us to catch up and add value for you guys as well. So let's just dive right in. I would love to hear, you know, let's mix it up. Instead of going all the way back to how you started, let's talk about, I don't know how recently it was that you kind of made a little bit of a pivot in your business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great thing to talk about right now, too, because um, because of COVID, a lot of people have had to pivot, whether they wanted to or not. And so I think it's a good conversation to open up about. But so for those of you who don't know me, like Molly said, we don't have time to go into the whole story, but I started out in the fitness space and it kind of was accidental. I, I, I was a history major in college and never thought I'd be doing anything in the online world. And I started building an audience um, just by sharing my stories, by writing. And then I just, I gained 70 pounds with both my baby. They're both 10 pound babies and I got huge. And I started just sharing at like, it was like a journal, like an accountability journal. So I got into the fitness space, um, not because I was the most hardcore best trainer out there, just because um, I was trying to lose the weight and I shared the journey. And so I started writing eBooks and I was really heavy in the fitness space for the first six years. And um, I, I still sell my fitness program. So it's not that I don't want to do fitness. I just didn't want to only do fitness. And, you know, I was like, in my head, I was so frustrated sometimes. Cause I'd be like, okay, well, this is what's making our business money, but I'm, I'm more than that. Like I, I want to do all the things, you know? And so I had to figure out how to do it strategically without having shiny object syndrome, right? Without being like, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And my biggest concern was, um, you know, how am I going to, people who know me as the fitness person, how do I make that transition? And so what I did is I actually launched my, my podcast and I talk about how I believe a strong woman is strong in three areas. So strong physically, strong emotionally, and strong financially. And so under that umbrella, it kind of gave me the space to talk about budgeting, to talk about relationships, maybe divorce or co-parenting or fitness or building an online business, you know, all the things that I'd always wanted to talk about. I just didn't know how to package it, if that makes sense. And so what I've kind of done the last year is really pivoted. We still sell the fitness programs because they sell and they help people. Um, we sell a lot of them, but uh, my, what I love doing, we have a 21 day challenge where we focus on mindset. Cause what I learned with the fitness stuff is that people would come to me thinking they wanted to lose weight and they did, but where they would get stuck wasn't on the training program. It was on the mindset. Mm -hmm. And then I have a, um, an Academy called peak business Academy. I, I love to solo backpack and hike and all the crazy things. So all my programs are based around mountains, but, 
Um, and I teach people how to do what I've done, how to build an online business and then monetize it using digital products. So it's, um, it, it's interesting. There's some challenges, you know, we kind of have two lists. We have our fitness list and we have our business list. Some of the things we can email both, but some, it doesn't make sense to email. Um, and other than that, I just said, you know what? I might lose some people along the way, but that's okay. Like I'm going to start attracting my tribe and attracting new people and I might lose some people. And we did, we lost, I mean, I have a lot of followers on social media, but we lost quite a few thousand. Um, but I was like, you know what? That's okay. I'm not going to talk fitness all day long. And I have no desire. If you look at my feed in the last year and a half, I have not shared a sports bra picture. And I just don't think you need to, <laughs> you know, I got to the th mindset of like, yeah, that might motivate people for the short, short run, but it's not going to help people in the long run really. And I don't need to like show off my body to sell programs. So mm. I love that. And something we were chatting about before we hit record was about pivoting and how, I mean, how many years have you been in business Natalie? 12 years. Okay. So I think I'm right around there 12 and then six years with my online uh, photography education. And we were talking about how like we all try and strive to, to grow. Right. But then, but then once we grow, sometimes we feel like maybe we're a failure or bad for moving on from something that we once had. Yeah. Um, like I pivoted away from my photo education company. And at first I felt, I'm not going to lie. Like I felt a little bit like a failure. Like I'm like, mm -hmm. I built all this up for, you know, just to move on from it. But, um, as you said, you know, <laughs> like with the sports bra picture and losing some followers, what's more important is like being true to yourself. And it's so hard to create content when you're not being your true self or being yeah. vulnerable. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, well, I would love so, if you could speak to that vulnerability. Yeah, piece. of course. So, and I'll touch on it for a second. I wrote, uh, if you guys are watching this and you see me writing down my brain, if I don't write something down, I'll forget. So, you know, you talked about identity and that's one of the things that I have become obsessed with the last few years. And, um, I listened to Tom Bilyeu. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a founder mm -hmm. of Harry. I love his content. And, um, I actually have this written on a post-it note next to my bed and it says, um, identity is the story that you tell yourself about yourself, but identity is malleable. And the one thing that I really had to focus on is, um, reminding myself every single day, just because I failed doesn't mean I'm a failure. There's a difference. There's a slight difference in language, but a huge difference in how it impacts you. One is an act. One is your identity, right? Just because I screwed up doesn't mean I'm a screw up. Just because I messed up doesn't mean I'm a mess up. And I repeated that to myself over and over and over and over, because I think a lot of times we carry a lot of shame around past decisions, past failures, or what we think are failures. And what I've learned is that there, there's, all, there's always a ceiling in any area you have shame. And so if you can learn to work through that, um, and I have, you mentioned vulnerability, that's actually the key in my opinion. So um, I've done a lot of research. I could totally geek out on shame and vulnerability. I won't for sake of time. But what I've learned through the studies is that there is a link between shame and vulnerability. They're like oil and water. They can't survive together. But what you find is typically the areas you have more shame, the less vulnerable you're willing to be and vice versa. The areas that you're uh, willing to be more vulnerable, the less shame you have around those topics. And so 
what I had to learn to do was just start sharing my stories. You know, I think Brene Brown said, once you own your stories, those stories no longer have power over you. And, you know, now I, I talk about all the things now, but I didn't start that way. In fact, if you would have known me 10 years ago, I was like an ice queen. You know, I was, I, I dealt, I, I was like, so struggling with what I call the three P's, perfectionism, procrastination, paralyzation, you know, and if I couldn't do it perfectly, then I just would like put it over here until I could. Right. And once I learned to, um, recognize that identity can be shaped and shifted and that a lot of times we think it's like the thing that we want to achieve the million dollar business or the whatever it is for you right um it's actually i believe the process of screwing up along the way and being brave enough to dust your knees off stand up and try again and try again and it's that grit and tenacity that's developed along the way that actually makes you more successful than the thing itself and, um, you know, I think a lot of times what we try to do is, especially those of us who are, you know, overachievers or we like to be busy all the time, is a lot of times we may have, you know, it's kind of like if you had a 10 foot leash attached to you and you're trying to go 20 feet. Well, you're always in your head, always thinking you're failing, right? Because you're like, oh, I wanted to go the 20 feet. Well, my thing is, what if we reevaluated our, our um, the way we were looking at things and just tried to go 10 feet with what our capacity that we have, or even five feet, or even one foot is still progress as opposed to trying to go 20 and staying exactly where you're at. And so um, it sounds really crazy, but one of the things I've had to do, not that I don't dream big, because I do, but I've really taken my um, expectations and scaled them down into what I call micro goals. And that process has actually allowed me to get way more done than before when I was trying to do all the things perfect all the time. Imperfect action creates momentum, you know, and I repeat that to myself all the time. I love that. And it's so true. You can still dream big, but when you set a giant goal and you haven't even gotten 10 feet or whatever that is, you're just setting yourself up most likely for failure. But if you set the target closer and you can hit it, you gain confidence along the way. And then you eventually actually hit the goal. hundred percent. It's the so. biggest confidence builder I've ever had. And it feels weird when you're first doing it. You're like, no, this isn't good enough. But <laughs> it's like those 1% improvements every day or every week actually get the 30% improvement you want over time, as opposed to like trying and failing. And like, you know, then we have like, I'll start again on Mondays, you know. That's true. And I, I would say it took me one to two years to actually like be okay with the micro goals. Like I would set them and then I would like, like I would tell my team like the micro goal and then I would be like, well, secretly I'm going to do this giant goal. <laughs> um, okay. That, yeah, I, I totally. Well, totally you know, agree. that's an interesting comment because I had to learn that the hard way too, because in my brain, you know, I could like say I was going to do all the things and then if I didn't do them, it was just on me. But what I had to learn as a leader, and I don't know how many people listening have teams, but, um, it actually wasn't good for our company because in my head, eh, if we shot for this, but we got here, it's still good. But the team always felt like we were failing and we weren't, they weren't hitting their targets and their goals. And so I actually had to learn even from a company perspective, it's so much better to hit a realistic target and hit that halfway, three quarters of the way through the month. And then you're finishing the month with momentum as opposed to never hitting your numbers or your targets. I love that. So great. So with your pivot or for those who are listening that are like, I want to pivot or I want to add on a second thing, which 
you're super smart in saying like, you don't want to get distracted. You have to do it strategically. Cause I, I definitely am a big believer in that as well. But what do you think is like a good starting point? Like, how did you, did you split up like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on one business, Thursday, Friday on another, or like, how did you do that? So what I did is I tried to get the first part of the business, the fitness part to a point where it's essentially on autopilot. So I didn't have to keep doing Facebook lives and stories. We just had enough content there that the team could schedule that out. And that was running. It still runs basically on its own. And I knew it was profitable on its own without me being having to be there. And it's difficult. You know, my brand is my name, NatalieHodson.com. So I actually, that was more of a mental game with me allowing myself to step away. Cause you know, the, ego in me was like, no, I have to do it all. Well, that was silly and not true. And it was holding me back. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then what I did is I, I, I knew, okay, I wanted to launch this Academy. I wanted to do the challenge. I wanted to do the podcast, but I couldn't do them all at once. So I picked one thing at a time and I broke it down into what everything that has to get done. We have to, you know, get the podcast produced. We have to have the editor. We have to have the emails that go out and we put systems in place. So once I had the podcast dialed, Um, then it was cool because we were able to take the content from the podcast and my team was able to, is still able to repurpose that for blog posts or Instagram posts or whatnot. And then after that, I focused on peak business Academy. I said, okay, what's everything that has to get done. I'm a huge whiteboard. My whole wall right here is a giant whiteboard and I broke it all out and I'm still a natural procrastinator. I don't think that'll ever go away. (laughs) So I know with my personality, it helps me. We all work from home virtually, but most of us are here in Boise. And so I'd have one teammate come over and like, just help me extract the ideas from my brain, you know, and I'd write it out on the board and they'd uh, Google doc type it. And then I would film my little modules and lessons. And then we'd pass it off and somebody would create a a study sheet, you know, a study guide to go a, a workbook to go through it. So once we got that done, then I focused on the challenge and see now what's cool is um, your first time. And I tell people this all the time, like my first ebook wasn't that good, but you have to have your 1.0 version before. It's like, you know, I have the brand new iPhone right here. If I were to hold the 1.0 iPhone <laughs> in the stand, you'd be like, yeah, that sucks compared to this one. And maybe even Steve jobs in his head had this vision in his head, but they had to put out the 1.0 version to even know where the bugs were, where the kinks were. And had they been too afraid to ever launch that one? this one probably wouldn't even be here today. And so it's kind of like that. Even right now I'm going back through peak business Academy and we're upgrading it. We're saying, okay, we recognize that people need a little more content here, or this is too advanced or whatnot. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that I failed the first time I launched it. It just means that we need to go through and revise and update it. So that's what we're focusing on now. So I really try to do one project at a time, which is hard for me because I want to do all the things. Um, but that's kind of how I tackle things. That's awesome. And with your pivot into your new business, I know one thing for me that's been, cause you know, we, we've learned now from our first business. So some of the stuff definitely was easier than the first time I did it, I'll admit. But one of the things that, um, is fun, but still difficult uh, or a challenge rather is telling my story almost in a little bit of a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you talk about like when you pivoted, how did you go about like picking like, okay, well, what stories am I going to tell that are relevant to this or what am I going to share? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, you know, it's funny because for the longest time I was like um, the, what does Russell call it? The, uh, the 
you know, naive, like the unexpected hero kind of a person. Like <laughs> I was like, I just fell into the fitness industry, you know, and that truly was my story. Oh, the reluctant yeah. hero. Yeah. Yeah. Reluctant, yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people were drawn to it. Cause I wasn't this like hardcore fitnessy person. Um, but when I pivoted into more of the business coaching, it was different, right? Yes. I did kind of accidentally fall into this business, but it was very intentional. It was a very intentional shift. And so, you know, and I learned, I'm still learning for a while. I was talking about, um, and for those of you guys listening, who may not know my story in a sentence, uh, basically I had gone through a divorce and, um, we didn't do child support or alimony. And so my back was up against the wall financially. I remember I had three months of rent left in my checking account and I was like, okay, Natalie, you've got to figure this out. And so I wrote an ebook, we launched it, uh, a $37 ebook. And in four months we had sold a million dollars of this $37 ebook. Um, but I actually kind of now veer away, I still tell that story, but not what I found is that me talking about how not only was I actually broke, but very broken, um, it, it attracted a different kind of a person than talking about like really wanting to make an impact, wanting to help people. And so I have to tell this, not have to, but I've chosen to tell the story a little differently. So that way, um, you're attracting people at a different time in their life where they're really ready to go forward with this because what I didn't want, and I never promise make false promises. It's not a magic pill. Um, having a mentor can put you so far ahead of, of not like I didn't, but it's not like you still have to work. It's still hard. It's still difficult. And so, um, you know, I don't want to promise somebody who's in the hardest time of their life that they come into this world and like it's instantly going to change you know mm -hmm. so. like a million and four months for everyone yeah yeah and I mean that's a crazy story but <laughs> no and it, it, yeah this is exactly the question I was trying to <laughs> to get out is like it's yeah because it's not like you're deciding like making up a story it's like you have your story and you're choosing like what part of it to tell to attract a certain person or to help them in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so that's so interesting because you're right. Like if you, if you share the 1 million in four months thing, either a people might think like it's unbelievable or um, they might think that everyone can do that, which it, it's possible you did it, but yeah, um, yeah, you can. And we've had people that have had amazing results, but you know, I recognize that it was kind of this perfect storm of a situation. And so one of the things that I do, in fact, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now because I still do this all the time, is I will write out, I'll think in my head, um, my dream person, like who would I love to work with? And I've written out like everything about them and what are some of maybe their, you know, in the marketing world, we call them false beliefs or insecurities and what are stories I can tell in my own life or other people's stories of people I've coached that will resonate with that insecurity or that fear. And I think, um, you know, I mean, it makes it sound like it's super all strategic. A lot of it is just intuitive too. You know, I can sense when somebody's struggling and that's just having empathy, I think as a human being, you know, and saying, Hey, I, I don't know exactly what it's like and I don't want to pretend to solve your problems, but I do, um, understand, you know, to some degree I understand and I'm here and I'm listening and without judgment, you know, I love that. And I love the idea of, yeah, thinking about their false beliefs and what stories can you match to tell that. And one thing that I do, like you mentioned about um, empathy is, you know, I'll get messages. I'm sure that you probably do this as well, but I'll get messages on like Instagram, Facebook, whatever, with people having certain struggles. And then I think to myself, you know, if they're reaching out to me with this struggle, there must be more people with it. So then I'll usually go live 
mm-hmm. about that thing. And yeah, that's awesome. no, it's a great tip. <laughs> anybody's listening and they're like, I don't know what the heck to talk about on Facebook lives. That's oftentimes what I'll do is, or, or I'll look in our private groups and what are things that people are struggling with. And I have just a notes thing in my phone that I start jotting them down. So if I need some inspiration, that's usually where I go. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we covered a lot about pivoting and story and vulnerability. And so everyone listening, I'm sure is wondering how can they connect with you online to learn more? Yeah, you know, um, Instagram is Natalie Hodson. It's H-O-D like David, S-O-N like Nancy one. Facebook, Natalie Hodson official. Um, I still run my own Instagram. So if you DM me, it's, you know, it's me writing back. Um, Or my website, just my name, NatalieHodson.com. So Awesome. Thank you so much, Natalie. I wish we could chat all day. I know. Sure Molly, you and I are so similar. We seriously could sit here and talk all day long. <laughs> you know, so we we genuinely to... could. 20 minutes is very difficult. I know. <laughs> I know. Me too. I'm a chatter. So I'll have to have you on my podcast. We'll do that. That'd be amazing. I would love to. Thank you so much again. And uh, I'm sure I'll chat with you really, really soon. Thank you. Hey, Profitable Creator. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of the Profitable Creator Podcast. We put out new episodes every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love if you'd support us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. As a thank you, we'd love to send you a free PDF on how to choose your profitable course idea for your business. Just go to ProfitableCourses.com to download. That's ProfitableCourses.com. See you next time.